Our scripture today comes from the gospel according to John. John chapter 12, beginning at verse 12. We'll be looking at John as we go through Holy Week. John chapter 12, beginning at verse 12. Where John writes. The next day, the great crowd that had come to the festival heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, shouting, Hosanna, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Jesus found a young donkey and sat on it as it is written, Do not be afraid, daughter of Zion. Look, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey and on donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first, but when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written of him and had been done to him. So the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised from the dead continued to testify. It was also because they heard that he had performed this sign that the crowd went to meet him. The Pharisees then said to one another, You see, you can do nothing. Look, the world has gone after him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for the privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. What a crowd. I mean, try to imagine it, the scene of two huge crowds coming together. You see, if you back up just one chapter to John chapter 11, you begin to see why there's a crowd of people that are following Jesus. John tells you what it is. In John chapter 11, Jesus finds out that one of his very dear friends, Lazarus, was ill. As a matter of fact, he learns that Lazarus had died. And Jesus was very close with Mary and Martha and their brother, Lazarus. And Jesus delays, though, coming to their home for four days. Four days. Why four days? Well, the, the people believed in biblical times that that the spirit of the person would hover over the body for around three days. By allowing four days, what Jesus was actually trying to prove and to show was Lazarus was truly dead. He had died. And so Jesus then comes to the scene and Mary and Martha, these two great friends of Jesus, they came running to him. Jesus would often stay in their home when he'd be coming to Jerusalem. And, and they come running up to their friend Jesus. And, and the first thing they say to him is, Lord, if you'd have just been here on time, if you'd just come earlier, our brother would never have died. And Jesus looks at them about a week before the cross. And then says, but I am the resurrection and I am the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, 
yet shall they live. And whoever lives and believes in me never really dies. And then he turns it and he asks, do you believe me? Then Jesus goes to the tomb and he says to the people there at the tomb, roll away the stone. And they come up to Jesus and go, we can't do that. Jesus says, roll away the stone. They go, we, we really cannot do that. That is not a good idea. We, we can't roll away the stone. And I love the way the King James Version puts it here. For by now he stinketh. I mean, that's just, what a quote. For by now he stinketh. We, we can't do that. And, and Jesus says, roll away the stone. And they roll away the stone and, and then Jesus cries out, Lazarus, Lazarus come forth. And Lazarus comes to life and, and walks out of the tomb and, and he's all wrapped up in grave clothes. And Jesus said, now set him free, unwrap him, loose him and let him go. Oh, the word got out then. I mean, you can just imagine how the word began to spread. Did you hear what happened? Did you hear what happened in Bethany? I mean, did you just see? I mean, Jesus, Lazarus, he'd been dead. I mean, you can just imagine how tongue-tied they would get trying to tell the story. I mean, this is just unreal. I mean, just imagine if something like that happened in Waxhaw, it would not take it long to get to Weddington. And so the story is out, and I mean, people are talking, and the news is spreading. This Jesus was able to raise the dead, and all of a sudden, crowds of people are coming. Crowds of people. They're wanting to follow this Jesus. What else can he do? What else will he do? And the idea is in their head, this could be the one. This could be the guy. This is the Messiah. This is the one. And the desire to make him king. How do we know? Well, John tells you a lot, too. He, he actually tells you that, that there was a time back in John chapter 6 when there was a crowd of people that were around. And, and Jesus began to ask, what do we have to feed all these people? And somebody said, all we have are about like five loaves of bread and a couple of fish. And Jesus says, perfect. And they're going, perfect. Do you know how many people are? John says there's 5,000 people, 5,000 men, not counting the women and the children. So when you add it all together, it wasn't the feeding of the 5,000. It was the feeding of the 15, 18, 20,000. Who knows exactly how many thousands of people. And Jesus is able to take the food, bless it, give it to the disciples. Everyone eats with baskets left over. Read the Gospel of John. John 6 says that Jesus had to slip away up on the mountain by himself because the people were coming to make him king by force. I mean, think about it. If a man can take five loaves and two fish and feed the multitudes, imagine what he could do with an army. Just imagine what he could do with the economy. Just imagine what kind of king with that kind of power. And now we just heard that this same Jesus can now actually raise the dead. This is the one. Crowds, people gathering around. Well, Jesus starts to head to Jerusalem. Why? Well, it's the time of the Passover. It was one of the high holy days of the Jewish faith. Passover was one of those festivals that, that every Jew wanted to be able at some point in their lives to be able to go to the holy city of Jerusalem, to the holy temple of God, and to celebrate this Passover. Passover. And so 
hundreds of thousands of people are coming into the city of Jerusalem and taking it, coming in to, to be able to celebrate this high, high, holy event, kind of like Christmas and Easter for us. All these people are there and the word gets out. The word gets out that Jesus is coming to town. So you have this crowd. Now picture this. Bethany, where Jesus has been, is, is simply just over the hill. Just, it's, it's just over the Mount of Olives. You come out of Jerusalem, come down this little valley known as the Kidron Valley. You start your way up the Mount of Olives where the Garden of Gethsemane is. And just on the other side of the Mount of Olives is where Bethany, the village where Mary, Martha, and Lazarus is. Jesus is now coming back to Jerusalem. And the people who are in Jerusalem for the festival hear that Jesus is coming into town and they come out to meet him. Now, two merging crowds. The crowd of people who had been with the raising of Lazarus coming over. The crowd of people who had been in Jerusalem for the Passover coming out to see this great man that, that can raise the dead. And the crowds come together. And what are they looking for? A new king. The Messiah. This has got to be the one. Why? Well, Israel's been under captivity now for about 750 years or so at this point. Over that 750 years, there was only about 100 of those years that they were actually free and independent. But they had been taken captive by the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks, and now the Romans constant captivity. I mean, it's hard for us to imagine. Our country, for one, is only 250 years old or so. And it's hard for us to imagine that we leave church and when we go out on the street, the law enforcement we see is not our law enforcement, but rather of another country that has taken over the United States and is now occupying our land as a hostile government. That's hard for us to kind of imagine. It's hard for us to imagine seeing soldiers all over the street, but they're not U.S. soldiers. They're soldiers from another government that's taken over your land. And imagine if that's been your history now for about 650 out of 750 years. And we want a king. Like it was back in the time of David, the greatest king in all of Israel. We need a king who will reestablish Israel as a nation, who will reestablish Jerusalem as the holy city, the capital city, and help us to be once again an independent people. That's what even the disciples thought were going to happen, remember? I mean, the disciples were going, when you come into your kingdom, when you set up your throne, which one of us is on the left, which one of us is on the right? And then I love, because I could see my mother doing this too. One of the disciples' mothers. You know, there's brothers. And, and, and the brother's mother comes up to Jesus one day and says, My sons would kill me if they knew I was talking to you. But I just want you to know, I think one of them should be on your right and the other one should be on your left. Because I think that they'll do great in your kingdom. They should be great in your cabinet. I mean, can't you just see your mom coming up to do that and you're, and, and you're going, Mom... But that's the idea they had was that he was going to set up this earthly kingdom, that, that he was going to reestablish Israel. And so they're looking for a new king. John wants you to know this too. How do we know? John is the only one of the four Gospels. All four Gospels tell the story. John is the only one of the four that says the branches were palm branches. John wants you to know. 
Nothing in John is accidental. If John tells you, he wants you to get it. It's palm branches. Why palm branches? Palm branches, by this point, were the symbol of Jewish nationalism. It would be like us if a hostile government was occupying our land, hearing that a new political leader had come into town that might just be the one to help restore our nation, and we go out and buy a bunch of little American flags and start waving them around. That's what this was like. When they're waving the palm branches, it's like saying, here is our national hero. That's what we're looking for. Here is our king, the king of Israel. That's what we're looking for, and John wants you to get it. How do I know? Because John also tells you that they go, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. And only John of the four Gospels adds the King of Israel. Only John. Because John wants you to understand. Do you see what these people were looking for? They're looking for the King of Israel. And they begin to quote Psalm 118, verse 25 and 26, which says... Save us, we beseech you, O Lord. O Lord, we beseech you, give us success. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. Go back and read. Read Psalm 118. Read the notes around Psalm 118. You'll hear that it is a psalm of victory. As the king and the mighty army of Israel are returning back after a glorious battle where they have proclaimed victory, the people are shouting and celebrating the arrival of their triumphant king and his army. And that's what the people have reached back to as Jesus comes riding into town is this is the one, this is the king, we want to reestablish Israel. And what does Jesus do? He gets on a donkey. I'd just like to know who his PR people are because that's just not a good idea. A donkey. I mean, come on. You got crowds of people. The crowds are following you from, from Bethany. The crowds are coming out of Jerusalem. I mean, what a great opportune moment. You should be on an Arabian. A white Arabian. One that prances when it walks. I mean, one that kind of goes sideways when you try to hold it back because it's, it's so spirited. What does Jesus do? Donkey. Not quite the image. Riding into town. Why? Because if a king comes riding into town on a horse, it can be taken as a threat, a sign of war, of hostility. But when the king comes riding in on a donkey, it's a sign of peace and humility. Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9. The scripture says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter Jerusalem. Lo, your king comes to you. Triumphant and victorious is he. Yes. But humble and riding on a donkey. And on the colt, the foal of a donkey. John tells us, You know, the disciples just didn't get it. The disciples didn't get it, what Jesus was doing until after the resurrection. You know what I like about that? John is one of the disciples. You know what he's saying? We didn't get it. We didn't understand what Jesus was really doing until after the resurrection. Why? Well, I think it goes back to that word, Hosanna. I mean, we sing hymns about Hosanna. We, we sing all kinds of songs celebrating Hosanna. 
But do you know what the word Hosanna means? The word Hosanna is not a cheer. It's actually not a cheer of go Jesus, go Jesus. That's not what it is. Hosanna is actually a prayer. If you look at the new Oxford annotated notes even, it'll, it'll tell you that, that actually the word Hosanna was a Hebrew invocation to God. You know what it really means? It means in the name of God, save us. By the power of God, save us. In other words, it means help. It means do something. Lord, save us. I mean, it's, it's the same words almost that you can hear Peter saying when he saw Jesus walking across the water and, and he goes, well, Lord, if it's really you, let me come out there. And, and Peter begins to walk across the water. Remember that? But then he begins to feel the wind blowing and he sees the waves moving and, and he takes his eyes off of Jesus and, and for a moment he's afraid and, and that fear hits him and begins to sink. And, and what does he do? He cries out, Lord, save us, save me, help. And Jesus reaches out his hand. Here, the crowd is crying out, Hosanna, save me, save us in the name of God. Do something. By the power of God. Do something. But the people are looking for a king. And Jesus is trying to go. You know what? You don't get it. You're looking for me to set up a kingdom. Along the Mediterranean. With Jerusalem as the capital. But pay attention. I am going to answer your cry for Hosanna. But it will be deeper than anything you've ever imagined. Because I'm setting up my kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. The kingdom that transcends, includes yes, but transcends Israel. It's the kingdom for the world. In other words, Jesus is saying, I am here to save you, yes. But from your sin. Sin is one of those things we don't like to talk about a whole lot, but sin simply means our brokenness with God. It's, it's when we get in the way of our relationship with God. And, and many times we try to deny that we have issues with sin and we try to do good things to try to be good people. But this cross, it's a powerful symbol. You know, we, we often will wear this cross around our necks. We will hang this cross sometimes from the mirrors in our car even and and for many years, I would wear a little cross under my, under my shirt. It, I wasn't walking around with some big four-foot cross trying to tell everybody, holy person. It was, just, it was just a subtle reminder when you got up in the morning, you put it on. It was a reminder, this is who I am. This is who I am. I'm a Christian by God's grace. This cross is a symbol of our salvation, but do you know what else it is? It's a symbol of our sin. That we got to this point. That, that our brokenness and our relationship with God got to the point that it took this to give us everlasting life. That God did hear the cry, Hosanna, in the name of God, do something. 
On nine o'clock, at nine o'clock in the morning, on Friday morning, Jesus will be nailed to the cross and will answer that prayer. On Friday morning, 9 a.m., Jesus will be nailed to the cross and will answer the prayer of Hosanna. In the name of God, save us. In the name of God, do something. The scripture tells us in Romans 3, Paul writing to the church in Rome, he goes, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But that's not the end of the story. But they are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He goes on in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, and says, For the wages of sin is death. But that's not the end of the story. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. The crowd cried out, Hosanna, in the name of God, save us. Thinking of a king. And Jesus says, I'll answer that prayer. Thinking of a savior. I'll answer that prayer. Thinking of a Savior. Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says in verse 8, For by grace you have been saved, Hosanna, through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's a gift from God. Not the result of work, so that no one may boast. On this week, Holy Week, God intervenes. God intervenes. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him may not perish but may have eternal life. Look at John 3, 17. Though. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but rather that the world through him might be what? Saved. Hosanna. In the name of God, save us. And this week, in the name of God, and by the power of God, Jesus answers that prayer. And offers every one of us everlasting life. Jesus said in Luke 19 verse 10. For the son of man came to seek out and to save that which is lost. Hear the good news. When we cry out Hosanna. God hears and answers that prayer. And you are loved enough by God. That God would seek you out. To save you. So if you were to pick up a branch today and cry out, Hosanna, what would it be for? What would it be for? 
And all of us have sinned and come short of the glory. So what is it for? Hear the good news. If you have come here today with guilt, with shame, with something that you're carrying, a broken relationship, something standing between you and God, hear the good news. When you cry out, Hosanna, in the name of God, save us. He will. The jailer asked Paul and Silas, what do I need to do to be saved? Acts 16. The answer, pretty simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The prayer of Hosanna will be answered. Will you pray with me? God, we are so grateful that when the crowd cried out, Hosanna, and they were looking for a king, you had a different answer in store, to be king of kings, Lord of lords. And God, we are so grateful during this holy week that you answered the prayer of Hosanna, and in the name of God, you saved us through your grace. Oh God, we pray that if there is one here today that needs to receive this grace, if there is one here today who is still crying out Hosanna, that you will reach out your hand just like you did to Peter as he was sinking and rescue that one. Only now, that hand has a scar in it where you prove that you can and will save in the power of God. So God, we claim your salvation as we come and lift high your cross. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. As we sing our closing hymn, Lift High the Cross, number 159, our altar rail, it's, it's always open. 